Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, bringing you the latest reports from the Whitetail Woods. And now, your host, Spencer Newharth. This is Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, powered by First Light. I am your host, Spencer Newharth, and this week we're talking about beating the October lull. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio. This is episode 463. I'm your host, Spencer Newharth, and I am joined by Mark Kenyon. Now, Mark, last time we talked, um, you talked about how you were excited for opening day and how this opening day was going to be different because the next time we would record, you'd have a great story to tell us about <laughs> the big buck that you killed. Did that happen? Well, I, I want to I qualify what you just said. I told you that I'm hoping I will have a different kind of story in mm. which I killed a big buck, but as things often go, I'll have a close call or something. And, uh, it went kind of like what I called, which is that I actually had a good encounter sort of, and, uh, just wasn't able to get him killed. So, um, the, the high level cliff notes of the story was that I went out, I had a plan for the first night and actually got a cell phone camera picture midday that actually changed my plan a little bit. Um, cause the buck I'm after is this, this buck that I've been calling rookie of the year. I saw him last year, a bunch passed on him a bunch. And he was like this really great up and comer that I noticed last year. And so this year he, he, he grew into what I hoped he would. And he's been showing up quite a bit in daylight. I've scouted him, seen him from the hillside glassing out there. I've gotten quite a few daylight pictures. Um, but he disappeared for the last week. And then the night before the opener, I got a daylight photo of him on one of my cameras, about a hundred yards or so away from where I was planning on hunting on opening night. Um, so not far away, but just another, just a little ways over and deeper into the cover. So because of that, I thought, okay, he probably got pressured a little bit by, you know, someone coming out last weekend, setting stuff up or just whatever. He just shifted patterns a little bit. So he's, waiting and not coming out to these food plots until after dark, but he showed up in daylight in this other spot. So I don't have anything set up there. So I snuck in there with a saddle and got all set and ended up seeing a lot of deer, a lot of activity that opening night, October 1st, um, on a one to 10 scale Spencer, I would give it like a six and a half to a seven. Maybe, um, I think I saw 10 bucks, um, just as many, probably more does 
Um, and the, the short version of what happened was I had a lot of deer come out, a lot of deer came feeding and passing by me and all was really good until the last like half hour of daylight, maybe 45 minutes of daylight. And the wind settled down and just got completely still. And I think that I just had that wind pool. It just dropped right beneath me and pooled. And I had so many deer around me. There was deer that were feeding right beneath me. And they eventually got my wind and the doe spooked. She ran off and just kept blowing and blowing and blowing and blowing and blowing. and would not stop. So I'm thinking, well, there's the hunt. Um, there's no way that rookie's going to come out. But lo and behold, like 10 minutes later, here he comes. And he steps out from across the creek about 150 yards away with another really nice buck, this short nine-pointer that I saw a lot passed on last year who actually looks a lot better now this year than I realized. They both come walking out. They come out of the timber, out of the cover, stop on the edge of the creek, kind of stare in my direction where that doe is blowing. Um, and I thought, okay, any tech now, they're in a builder and run back the way they came. But they didn't. They just stood there and watched for a while. And then they said, eh. And they kept walking down the creek towards where my food plot was and where I would have been hunting if I hadn't got the daylight picture of them. Um, and so they walked out that way and eventually got out of my sight. I don't think that they made it into the food plot until after dark. It looked like they hung up on the edge in the cover. Um, but I saw where they came out of. So the next day I thought, okay, I'm going to slip in there in the afternoon and hang a new set where those deer came in. But I was able to, couldn't hunt in the morning, but I could glass in the morning. So I glassed that area in the morning and watched him go right back in that way. So I thought, slam dunk tonight. I'm going to slip in there. It's going to be storming, hang a new set, deep in that stuff right where they're coming out. That's what I ended up doing. It was pouring rain, snuck in there. It was a long ways around. Everything was perfect. Made sure the wind was right. Stayed way far away from where I thought these deer were bedding and slipped in there soaking wet. Got a saddle set up in the tree right where they passed by both the night before and that morning going back to bed. And uh, they didn't show bunch of deer came through but the big boys didn't show and uh you know it was fun i had some some good sightings they were there i was in the game but uh didn't quite come together and that was that was all the time i had because i had to take off for uh for my next uh trip here so that was my story it's not as good as i know you wished it would be spencer mm-hmm. um, but but hey you know it's i think when you've got the opportunity to get eyes on a target buck that's a good hunt and uh that's that was exciting. Yeah, I I didn't know there were ten bucks in Michigan. You said you saw ten <laughs> bucks on the first <laughs> evening. Um, yeah. Well, what do you credit like the great movement to? It sounds like there was a lot of buck activity, maybe not within twenty yards of your tree stand or your saddle, but it sounds like the bucks were up and on their feet. Why do you think that was? Was it like that opening weekend mentality we talked about last week, where uh, these deer were just largely unpressured? That's the biggest thing I think. I really do think. I mean, there was nothing really special about it. There wasn't any kind of conditions. It was warm. It was mid seventies. Um, you know, there was a big rain front coming through the next day, like maybe even that night. It was supposed to start raining. Um, so there was a big precipitation week ahead. So maybe there was some kind of pre-storm system trigger to feed, possibly. Um, but it was just unpressured deer was the biggest thing. Those deer were moving around there very comfortably. I had not been onto this property, done anything, you know, since basically the beginning of September. So I'd been untouched for a month. And even before that, I really hadn't gone back into any of the cover, anything except for to do that little bit of food plot stuff at the very front for two months. Um, and 
these deer, I think, were just fat and happy and sassy and hadn't been bothered in a while. So they were going about the thing. So that night, those deer were active and unconcerned. And then, you know, day two, not as much. So they react quickly after that incident, um, which is why I like that first night, because you get those special chances and just wasn't quite close enough. On that note, we're approaching a period that hunters refer to as the October law, which roughly lasts about the next two weeks. And as we've discussed before, there are a lot of misconceptions about whitetail buck behavior this time of year. What are some of the things, Mark, that hunters should consider when getting in the woods anytime between roughly now and October 20th? All right. So we've done this many years now. So I've, I think I've gotten a pretty good short and sweet explanation of my take on the October law. I'll try to even do it more tight and efficiently. And you can grade me when I'm done. All right, I'm in. The, <laughs> the basic gist here, right? Everyone says that October law is a time period. Deer don't move. They're not going to move during daylight either not worth hunting or it's going to be lousy hunting, blah, blah, blah. And the interesting thing though, is that while so many hunters say that's the case, the science does not back that up. We've talked to folks like Matt Ross or Lindsey Thomas Jr. from the NDA, and they frequently cite studies that show that actually deer activity and buck activity in particular actually steadily rises throughout the entire month of October. So what gives? What's going on here? Why is there this disconnect? The biggest thing I think, is that there is a perceived lull. Hunters do experience a lull, but it's not because deer aren't moving. It's because deer are moving differently. And we, many hunters, are not reacting to those changes. So once October sets in, what's changing? Well, number one, this whole thing with hunting pressure I just talked about, where the deer were comfortable before hunting season, and now by the second day they shifted. Well, that's a real thing. Deer are reacting to hunters in the woods. So by the time we get to mid-October, there have been hunters out in the woods bothering these deer for several weeks, if not more than that, depending on where you are. So right there, that's changing deer behavior. But how many people do you know? Let's be honest. We all know somebody like this who hunts the same place on October 1st. They hunt the same place the weekend of the 7th and 8th. They hunt the same place the 15th and the 16th. They hunt the same place the 19th and the 20th. And they wonder why they don't see any deer. Well, there's a simple answer there. <laughs> uh, so you got that. You've got changing food sources, right? Corn's drying down. Crops are coming out. Acorns are hitting the ground. Deer are changing their feeding behavior. Then you have cover changing. You've got leaves falling. You've got grasses, you know, getting tamped down, drying out, different things like that. So in general, the habitat's changing and deer behavior's changing, both because of hunting pressure and because of all the other natural things that are changing in the deer herd. So all that makes for different movement patterns, moving at different times, going different places. If we as hunters aren't able to adjust to that and we try to keep doing the same old, same old thing, then yeah, you're going to see a lull. So my take from a hunting perspective is that if you know how to make those adjustments, if you have places where you can get in there tighter to cover where those deer are spending their daylight hours now, keep on after it. On the flip side, if you don't know those spots yet, or if you don't have a good handle on how these deer are reacting to hunting pressure and you have got one little spot to hunt, and you know that if you hunt it too much, it's going to get messed up, then maybe this is a time to slow down a little bit, go hunt some public land elsewhere, and wait till the rut. Come back to your little spot when they'll be a little bit more forgiving, and their behaviors will change in another way that is advantageous to hunters who maybe don't know the specific you know, bedding areas and whatnot as much. Um, so that's, that's a high-level take on the reality of the October law 
and how we experience it. Um, did I cover it right? Do I get a decent grade? Did I pass? A plus that, that was great. Um, <laughs> and, and a big theme of what you talked about was the changing food sources. And that's something that you're going to hear all of our interviews, um, covered this week being Beaumar Tonic in Pennsylvania from East Meat to West Hunt and then Jordan Couch in Tennessee from Whitetail Properties. Then we talked to Doug Duran in Wisconsin and then we end with Caleb Combs in Oklahoma from Stewart Ranch Outfitters. And you're going to hear all those folks uh, talk about some of the same themes that you just covered. And then finally, if you don't want the October law to be the October law and you, you need to hunt differently as Mark just discussed, we have some reading material that will help you get uh, in the right setups for the right time of year. Some of those articles are how to make a horizontal rub that you, Mark, wrote. And as you wrote in the article, Mark, early October is a perfect time to create and hunt a horizontal rub. And then we have three places to kill a buck during the October lull by Alex Gilstrom. Alex talks about the three setups that are ideal for punching a tag during the first three weeks of October. And then we have how to deer hunt a staging area by Tony Peterson. Tony discusses how to identify a staging area, and why they're so valuable for whitetail hunters this time of year. And then finally, how to kill a buck in October by you again, Mark. Mark lays out a game plan for getting it done during an intimidating part of the season and goes over strategies for hunting early October, mid-October, and late October. Sounds like a hell of a slate, Spencer. All right, Mark. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to hearing your deer report next week because you are on a cell phone, which means you're out in the field doing something <laughs> really fun, and uh, we can discuss more on the next episode. I will talk to you then. Yeah, man. I'll have a report from Washington, freaking D.C. Whoa. Looking forward a to it. different. <laughs> See you, man. See you, Mark. All right, and joining us on the line first is Bo Martonic from East Meets West in Pennsylvania. Now, Bo, in Pennsylvania, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I'd say the buck activity lately has been about an 8 in the mornings, and I'd say about a 6 or 7 in the evenings. It's been really cold temperatures in the mornings, which has helped with the movement. In the evenings, it's been getting pretty hot, almost unseasonably warm weather that slowed it down a little bit but with low amount of hunting pressure with the season just opening on saturday it was still decent movement now you just killed a giant this opening weekend tell us about that setup why you were in that area why that buck was in that area and what went into scouting for that deer yeah so i i had known about this deer for a couple of years and had a shed and had a lot of intel on him probably more than any other deer that i was hunting and what happened was I noticed that a pattern with this buck moving on a, a particular trail on a southwest wind, which we had for opening morning. And with the temperatures being right around 40 degrees at first light, I thought it'd be a good time to move in on it. And how I moved in with the setup was it was actually a crick bottom setup. And he was coming from a new logging cut, heading back to bed with that southwest wind in his face. But if I sat in a tree which I did right on the crick bank, the thermals would pull my wind down the crick. So even though on the ground, just 10 feet in front of my tree, that southwest wind was going in the face of the deer, he could not smell me up in the tree at that particular spot. So it was kind of a bulletproof setup from that standpoint. So I decided to get aggressive and get in there close to bedding in that, that bottom there before he went up to, to bed. And uh, he came in actually quite a bit after first light it was 8 a.m when he came in on the trail um came in front of me at 14 yards 
Now, how much scouting went into this October 2nd opener? Were you doing scouting in September and all summer, or was this something that you just put together because of historical patterns? So there's a couple things. I did put a lot of time in the summer and particularly in September trying to figure out what the best food source is going to be. And the area had not very many oak trees, and the ones that had them didn't have acorns. I wasn't finding any apple trees that had a lot of apples on it. So it was hard to find that dominant food source. And what ended up being was a fresh logging cut was seen to be what they're using the most. And in my setup, actually, I had a beech tree in the middle of these hemlocks that was dropping beech nuts and the deer were feeding on them. So I've had a camera there all summer on that trail and was kind of seeing their patterns a little bit. But mostly I use data from the late season of last year where this buck used this trail going to feed in that logging cut and coming out and going back to bed. So I use that data knowing that in, in the big woods, a lot of the times their early season and late season habits are very similar, especially when there's not any oaks and there's not any apples. So going by that, that's when I made the decision to, to move in. You said that morning movement has been superior to evening movement as of late. Is that something that you traditionally experience in mid to early October in Pennsylvania? Not normally. It, it all depends on the weather for that. I, I noticed normally in, in early October, the first few days of the season before you start getting some hunting pressure and things start to change a little bit, it, you might be able to get some daylight movement in the mornings, but Normally, that's associated with a cold front. Other times, if it's relatively warmer, not getting down at night, then they're going back to, to bed at least an hour before it's uh, even daylight. So it's a lot harder in the mornings at that time. Normally, evenings are superior. But for these circumstances, the mornings seem to have been better just from my own experience and then from uh, my trail cameras. What are you seeing for sign making right now? Scrapes are starting to pop up. You got some rubs, but nothing, nothing too aggressive. They've been working the licking branches a lot more than actually pawing up the ground on the scrapes. So there's a, a decent amount of that still going on, but uh, they're just starting to kind of paw up the ground a little bit, mostly on the, the community scrapes or the ones that are um, more of the annual ones. How is hunting sign making different in the big woods versus maybe more traditional whitetail landscapes in the Midwest? I think in the big woods, especially in the low deer density areas, they tend to make a lot of signs. And I, I think that's because there's, there's a good buck to doe ratio. So they're trying to show their dominance and, and they're, at least in the areas that, that I've hunted, they seem to be leaving a lot more signs. So it's important to, to focus on what sign is actually important rather than just the, the clutter of sign that you see. There'll be a lot of scrapes and a lot of rubs, but there's ones in particular that are, that are more important than others. You said how food sources were important for killing this buck. What are a lot of the natural food sources that you're focused on in the month of October in the big woods? Acorns would be number one if they're in the area. And um, actually, it's probably a tie for number one would be apples. So if you can find a remote apple tree that another hunter hasn't found already, and it's, it's you know one of the only food sources in the area, that's a, a big sign. The third option would be logging cuts and particularly fresh ones that have a lot of greenery still, um, a lot of new growth that's coming up. 
those are the, the three big ones that I'm that I'm focusing on focusing on outside of browse and uh, beach nuts and things along those lines. Going forward, then in this next week or so, what do you think that bug activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in Pennsylvania? I don't think I don't think it's going to be that great. I think it's going to be about a five. I mean, it's still maybe even a six. It's it's a little bit better since hunting season has just come in. There hasn't been a ton of pressure yet, but at the same time, it, there is a decent amount of people in the woods now, starting to stir things up. Food sources are changing depending on how the acorns are dropping. So it might be a little bit more difficult as we get into, you know, the end of the first week and second week of October. All right, Bo, congrats again on the great book. If you want to read more of Bo's content, he writes very often for Wired to Hunt, uh, specifically for deer hunters in the big woods. Thanks again, Bo, and good luck with the rest of your season. Thanks, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next is Jordan Couch from Whitetail Properties in Tennessee. Now, Jordan, in Tennessee, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? On a scale of 1 to 10, I've got to say it's probably a 3 or 4. The reason being is uh, the sign making I've seen, there's been very little of it. I've seen a small rub here or there, um, no scrapes yet. Uh, so it's just it's been really slow so far. Historically in Tennessee, when do you usually see sign making pick up? Uh, Mid-October is usually when I see a lot of rubs and a lot of scrapes start popping up. Uh, I feel like our absolute best time to hunt in Tennessee is probably the second week of November, which is our muzzleloader season. And uh, that's when I've seen my biggest and the most bucks. What food sources are you focused on this time of year in Tennessee? This time of year, I've seen um, some white oak, some chestnut oak, um, but it's not like a crazy high amount. Uh, the persimmon trees in my area are loaded this year, though. I have noticed a lot of that. So um, a couple times I've gone out this year just looking for a doe. I've, I've sat on persimmon trees, and I've seen does each sit. In Tennessee, what does a good cold front look like for you guys this month? A good cold front right now? Um well, I was looking at the weather this week. It's We're going to have showers basically all week long, but the temperatures are going to stay high 70s, low 80s into this weekend, which is unfortunate. Um, I was talking to a buddy last night. Um, he was fortunate enough to capitalize on a, on a good buck last night right after some rain had pushed through. So this time of year, I really think it's just all it's on the weather. Like watch your fronts. If you can get ahead of it or hunt right behind it, I think that's when your best chance of capitalizing on a buck is going to be. Are you doing any morning setups in early to mid-October? Early to mid-October, I do not hunt mornings. I typically only hunt evenings, and that's just because I want to save my best sits for when I know the bucks are going to be more active, and that's that late October, early November time frame for us. And where are you running your trail cameras right now? Trail cameras right now, I love uh, a persimmon tree just because I want to see what's around, and I get a lot of coyotes, interestingly enough, on persimmons. I must really like them, but um, that and water sources because some of the properties I have, I don't have a lot of water on them so i just like to see what comes to get a drink so you mentioned hunting water is that something that's a factor for you all fall long or is that mostly for hunting october mostly october and this year it's been kind of dry we just now started getting some rain but it's, it's been dry the last couple of weeks in east tennessee so that's why i think that these rains that are coming up i think if guys are out there um, hunting their fronts then you know keeping the wind in their favor of course and picking the right stand i think that's going to be a good time to capitalize early season 
going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Tennessee? Unless we got a wicked cold front, I'm going to say it's probably going to stay at eight or four. Um, it's just, uh, I don't feel like our bucks are super active this part of the year. Uh, unless you got some killer food sources, if you got some good plots or something like that, you may have a good, a good chance of getting a buck. But uh, if you're hunting the hardwoods, uh, it's, it's going to be tough until that rut kicks in. All right, Jordan, good luck with the rest of your season, and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Spencer. You as well. All right, and joining us on the line next is Doug Duran in Wisconsin. Now, Doug, in Wisconsin, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, I would say it's increasing, and I would say on a scale of 1 to 10, a 4 to a 5, up from a 1 to a 2, two weeks ago. But in the last two weeks, there's just definitely been an uptick in activity. Now, I know you recently had some deer hunters on the farm. Give me a synopsis of what they were seeing this weekend. Um, well, uh, one guy took a nice doe. He was on the edge of a uh, uh, CRP and cornfield in a fence row, but the deer activity was really in the woods. Um, acorns are coming down. One of my other friends who was hunting... Uh, said that he went up in this uh, oak, oak flat, we call it, and he said I felt like he needed a hard helmet on the way the acorns were coming down and the deer were coming into him. Now, how long do acorns stay relevant for you on the farm in Wisconsin? Well, I, I think part of what happens is they really, they like them early and then they're there for a long, you know, they're there for a long time. And of course, we like to think that maybe we're going to get some oak regeneration out of some of them that are left as well. Um, but they will, uh, they'll move off of those as the temperatures sort of, uh, you know, get colder. They'll get out in the, as the, the corn gets picked and there's corn stubble, they'll work that and, and, uh, soybeans. And, um, so all of those changes are happening at this time of the year, just like, uh, seems like they do every year, but, um, it's been real, it's, we've had a really nice fall weather-wise, um, maybe a little too warm, which, uh, is a part of the might be a part of the problem of the deer not cranking up that much. But I think for the first week of October, we're, we're seeing some really nice uh, rut activity. Besides acorn, what are some other natural food sources that should be relevant for deer hunters in that part of the state? Well, um, there's a lot of browse um, in the woods. Um, we have, uh, you know, viburnums and, and uh, thimbleberries and, and there's a, a whole manner of stuff. Uh, I've even, and of course the, uh, uh, blackberries and raspberries and but there, there's plenty of browse in the in the woods um and then uh field edges um you know like on our place our whole farm is in crp and there's nothing real special planted in our edges but um those edges you know because we keep them we, we mow them two or three times a year and that's that fresh green all the time so you know it may not be a native source but uh we've got some warm season cool season grasses in there along with you know, there's going to be clover and that sort of thing. So those edge, those edge uh, foods as well. Following the harvest of corn and beans in the area, what sort of shift do you see in deer behavior and deer movement? Well, it's interesting. You know, it's, you, you don't know how many uh, deer are in a cornfield until it's picked, right? You can't see, you can't see them out there. We see once the leaves come off of the beans around here, then you don't see the deer in them as much for quite a while. And they seem to return to them as the temperatures 
uh, go down. They're out there. They they forage on those leaves, uh, you know, much of the summer in the early fall. But now our our beans are drying down, um, and then we see more deer in picked corn fields than we do in standing corn. But part of that's because the corn's gone, right? What are you seeing for sign making right now? That's pretty cool. That's that's pretty interesting. We're seeing um, uh, just from my trail cameras, I'm seeing. Um, Bucks starting to spend some time at those licking branches that they traditionally have used. Um, we have uh, on a lot of field edges. We have pin oaks. It's a, a red oak slash black oak, and a lot of low hanging branches on those. And um, I'm picking, I'm picking up, uh, you know, activity there, um, and seeing boy, all manner of bucks. Uh, seems seems like a lot of uh, distinctive young bucks right now. And are you seeing better movement in the mornings or evenings in early October? Well, most of what we've been hunting, and, and I, I tend to get out a little bit more in the evenings. So I guess I have to say evenings, but I really don't have that much to compare it to because in the mornings I'm generally not out banging around um, and or hunting. So Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Wisconsin? Oh, I think you're going to see it going up and, you know, we'll be in that six, seven range. Um, honestly, just in the last couple of nights on the trail cameras, we had some cell cameras out. Um, I'm seeing that there's more bucks showing up in the last couple of nights. And the thing that was really uh, encouraging is I actually posted a picture on Instagram of a, a really nice buck that one of my hunters <laughs> came out 75 yards hundred yards away and never came any closer, but he uh, entertained him for an hour and kept him nervous. So during daylight hours, seeing a, a more mature buck, that tells me that deer is pretty, uh, pretty comfortable. Um, so, and then there's, we've got some others on camera that we're seeing them, not just in the middle of the night, but, um, uh, during the, and most of those are evening hours. So, you know, late afternoon, evening. All right, Doug, good luck to you and everyone else on the Duran farm. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much. All right, and joining us online next is Caleb Combs from Stewart Ranch Outfitters in Oklahoma. Now, Caleb, in Oklahoma, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Opening weekend, I would say it was a 7. I probably wouldn't put it as high, except for we were fairly successful in that we put a couple bucks down, and we saw the target buck that I'm looking for during daylight hours. So. Uh, traditionally it's pretty good for us opening weekend, but it wasn't phenomenal weather or anything. We had a front that came through opening day. That was really good. Um, and then it kind of trailed off after that Saturday and Sunday got progressively worse. So it wasn't anything special, but we were successful. So I'd say normal and I'm normally optimistic. So seven. Historically, you have a lot of success on that property on opening weekend in early October, what is it about that property that sets up so well for early October? Uh, what is it about the property? Opening October is usually good for us. Um, but I, I think it, I don't know if it's particularly the property. I think, well, there's some properties that wouldn't be good. I think you can be successful early if you're putting in a lot of time, wherever that is. So if you're putting in a lot of cameras, or you're putting in a lot of scouting and you have a lot of intel because we run a whole bunch of cameras. And I think we had 30 or 
more maybe out on this property and two were good. So when we got there and we drew straws, you knew if you weren't the top two guys that were drawing straws, you were not, you were not in for a great weekend. Just because out of all those spots, you have one that's got a food source close enough to bedding that you can, and has the right wind and you can pull it off. So, I mean, it's still slim margins, but you, if you put in your time and you get out there, you can make it happen. So for the two setups that were ideal for the opening weekend, you said it was food close to bedding. Is that what they have in common? Yeah, it's always, I mean, we're in Oklahoma. So, uh, if you're, our food plots were not up yet, but if you can find the acorn trees or if you're running feeders or if you can bait, all that's legal here. I mean, whatever you have that is food somewhat close to bedding, like you gotta be close. You can't be, if you're getting a bunch of nighttime picks, you're not close. Are you seeing any sign making yet? Not really a little bit. I, I mean, I made a bunch of mock scrapes, uh, and put cameras on them when I left. So that was Sunday, but I haven't seen very many open it up. They opened up for a little bit with a cold front we had two weeks ago, but I mean, even the big, the big bucks were carrying velvet late, later than ever before. Like we thought maybe there was some kind of miracle chance we were going to shoot some giants in velvet. That's how close they got before they shed it off. For that opening weekend, how do morning setups differ for you than evening setups? Uh, my ideal morning setup during opening is staying at the house. <laughs> but now we went and hunted. I went and sat, but I had no hope in it. Evenings were great, but mornings were terrible. I think there was one one shooter buck that was seen in a morning, and he was in range just, you know, couldn't see his pin. Had to get binocs up to make sure it was him. So, I mean, it, you know, didn't try a shot or anything. I'm just saying, like, and uh, if you pull out in the mornings after you're done hunting, you know, you can always tell if you're making your way out of the property. There were no deer anywhere. They're already all bedded. Like, if you see a couple, they'll be under the trees. The only good buck bachelor group that happens to bed next to the road that we take in and out on Friday morning, they were already bedded down. We drove right by them which is a good place to bed. They always know we're there. That's why Clay seven, the big seven that I've been trying to kill forever. I don't know how old he is, like 14. He beds right next to the road. He always knows when you come in. He knows when you leave. He's really hard to kill. That's why he's still alive. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think the buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Oklahoma? I have no, I'm not going to be out this week. Uh, I think there's a couple days that it was supposed to be 70s, so like a little minor cold front, 50s in the mornings. I still probably wouldn't be chasing mornings this time of year. Uh, I won't be back out probably till the 16th-ish. And that's if, if the weather stays the way it looks, I think that'll be fine. If you can get a cold front later, I, know I got no faith in the upcoming week. Not that you can't be successful if you know where they're at. Like You can probably pull it off. If you have time to go or you set up one, don't be discouraged by that. But it doesn't look great. Um, did you ask me what scale of one to 10? Like not four. <laughs> All right, Caleb, good luck to you and everyone else at Stewart Ranch Outfitters. Thanks for joining me. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired to Haunt's Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Bo, Jordan, Doug, and Caleb for joining me. And thank you guys for listening. As a reminder, you can find this week's reading material in the description of the podcast where you're going to get articles about how to make a horizontal rub, 
three places to kill a buck during the October lull, how to deer hunt a staging area, and how to kill a buck in October. I will talk to you next week, and until then, stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins.